morning everybody and welcome to Daniel Cronin in conversation with And uh, I welcome you all to the show this morning. What a morning. The sun is shining. It's fantastic out there. Has anybody has everybody been up in the lake yet? Uh, I've been popping up there with myself and uh, the cousin Brian. Uh, we were going up there in the mornings, a little bit chilly, but we went up there one or two evenings last week. Absolutely gorgeous. What a resource. And it's great to see the lake being used in, say, in recent years, so much more so for um, the lads doing the triathlons and stuff like that. Super swimmers going out there. I think there's a route there, 750 or 750 metres around the boys. And you see so many people on with the wetsuits and uh, they have those little flotation devices behind them and flying around them, flying around the place. And fair play to them now. Um, super. Once upon a time, I used to be able to do that. I'll have to get back into it again. What a weekend of sport. Uh, looking forward now to Peter and Keane because they have so much to talk about. There's so much uh, content for their sports stuff. I was watching the rugby uh, yesterday. Just started off there with the Lions were playing uh, Jap- uh, Jap- Japan. And uh, Alwyn Jones, Alwyn Wynn Jones is after getting injured. Now... Um, he was Lions captain. I think uh, the Irish guy Murray is going to take over as captaincy. But the door is open for another, I think, James Ryan. The second row for um, Ireland, who people had thought were going, was going to get going to the Lions anyway. But he didn't get called up in the first place. But he, he could get he could get in there at this stage. There's one or two others. There's a Scott, uh, your man uh, Gray in Scotland could get going as well. But James Ryan is a super player. He might get going in instead. This is going to be a mighty month. It's it's going to be so strange. I love to be over there in South Africa to watch this. Uh, to go on a tour to to go on a tour to South Africa would be absolutely super. I'd love to see it. A great time over in Japan there a couple of years ago. And the 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 South Africans, they're mad for it. They're absolutely mad for rugby. I'd love to see it. So anyway, next week they start playing um, the club teams, I think, you know, and uh, the Sharks and the Bulls have to play a couple of them. And then they'll move on to... At the end of it, what July the fourth? July the twenty fourth is the first test. That should be a bit of crack. And poor old Wales uh, got hammered by Denmark. Now Denmark, lots of people will be have be very fond of Denmark after their tragedy there, uh, near tragedy, near tragedy, tragedy uh, on one of the first matches with Christian Eriksen having a heart attack on the pitch. Now thankfully he's all right. Now I don't think he'd be playing any more soccer. Um, but uh, they did. They were super. It was kind of a bad-tempered match. There was uh, a bit funny. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great to watch. Now, but there were two. Two teams were well up for it. None of the Welsh players turned up really. Um, Gareth Bale and I don't know. They, were, they just weren't there. I, I have no time for Gareth Bale anyway. I don't think he's. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything for ages. It's a complete waste of talent. He should have should have gone left Real Madrid years ago and gone someplace to actually play rather than just spend his time cashing checks and playing golf. Um, that's the thing. Oh, England are up on Tuesday. England versus Germany. 
<laughs> everybody's everybody's talking about penalties already. But uh, Garrett Southgate seems to be a decent guy. Uh, There's pre- plenty of talent, but um, look at all the fear there. You know, they'll be blown. All the English players will be blown up to the last, and then they just come against a determined team or a clinical team. And something could happen. But we'll see now. We'll see. Look at it. It'll be entertaining anyway. It's actually the very good matches. Super talent on show. What's happening around Loch Ray? Uh, hope I'm not stealing all the stuff there from uh, the sports show guys. But I'm just looking in. Looking at Carl uh, Daniels from just out the road there. Carl is heading to Tokyo for the Olympics. I remember his sister... Uh, used to give me, uh, I went up there for a couple of lessons. She was giving me lessons, uh, the horse riding. And uh, God, that's a good few years ago. And Cahill came out. I don't, I don't know the guy now. And at first I just know him to see. Uh, he came out. And if you saw him spring over a fence, the fence was about, I don't know, eight foot high. He, it was literally like a coil spring. He just popped over as fit as a fiddle. But he's off to represent Ireland now. And uh, maybe uh, Keen and... Peter might be able to get him to come into the studio sometime or have a chat with them to see how he's getting on. It's fantastic. He's supposed to be a really super, he obviously is a super show jumper, but it takes some amount of dedication and money and everything and look. But uh, there they are, they've got it. He's heading off to Tokyo. The very best to look to you, Carl. It'd be be incredible uh, if you won a medal, but it's an incredible achievement to even get to uh, Tokyo at this but that's uh, super. At uh, Apple is back again. I see Apple, Apple in the data center. People were very disappointed there a couple of years ago. Apple were going to go in there. I think below a Derry, Derry Donnell and a Greenfield site, there were a couple of objections, um, and it didn't. They went to court, and Apple just said, "Okay, uh, yeah, we're not going to do it." I don't know. I don't know. Uh, they're back again anyway. Um, it'd bring in. It should bring in a hell of a, a, a mighty jobs and stuff like that, and things could spring out from it. But we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, they go through it now. Um, Ireland has been, yeah, you could say, with like a, Apple have done very well out of Ireland and continue to do very well out of Ireland, um, tax wise and stuff like that. But um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I don't know what all the all the objections are whatever, or how it'll go through this time. But they're looking for an extension of the planning process. And um, we we'll see how it goes. Look at if it works out, it works out. And the best to look to all the guys over at and Rye. Um, we've got a couple of people coming up in the show today. We've got Brendan Fahey. I'm talking about Brendan Fahey. Who's Brendan Fahey? Brendan Fahey is the brother of Connor Fahey, one of our presenters on our Irish uh, programme that goes out Saturday morning, Brecky Brack. And uh, Connor gave us the heads up that Brendan had recently been published in the Irish Independent, his short story. And um, uh, he shared the link we saw. It was, uh, uh, yeah, excellently written. So we'd be chatting with Brendan Fahey in a few minutes. And uh, following that, uh, I was chatting with James Coughlin. Uh, James Coughlin is from Portumna, or he lives over in Portumna, and he's written a book on Leonard McGrath. I had never heard of Leonard McGrath. I've talked to a couple of people about it when I knew I was going to do the interview. And they did know, people did know about him, but um, he's the only guy uh, from Galway that ever, well, that has, has won uh, an all, both an All-Ireland hurling and football medal. And that's only the start of it. 
I mean, the amount of stuff that he's uh, that, that he accomplished in his short life uh, was incredible. Very interesting, James. Uh, together with he's with somebody else, they, they published a book. So the book is out. We'll we'll publish um, we'll publish details of where you can get the book uh, later on Facebook or social media. We'll spread it around. Super the super. Um, uh, photos, of course, in it. They've done a really good job. Uh, lots of uh, research in this and done very well and put it together. And uh, we'll hear about that later on. So we have, what do we have coming up? That's Brendan and James. And we'll just have a little uh, listen to, who do we have? Oh, yeah, fantastic. I give a shout out to uh, Paul Flaherty this morning. Um, he was... Uh, he had a, he's a fantastic new show there for the last couple I say no he's had three or four episodes so far but he's really uh, it's, it's a super one mind the head and talks about mental mental health and uh, he was chatting with um, people from the Clada Watch I think is the name of it and or the Corrib Watch and they're, they're, they're watching the Corrib for God help us uh, people do um, have been known like that people do unfortunately take their own lives by jumping into the river and it's frightfully you know it's frightfully strong there's a huge current and stuff like that and hopefully these people try to talk people down before they do keep an eye on it to just walk around and uh, if you didn't get it this morning at nine o'clock i know paul will be putting it up on social media and uh, do listen to the podcast uh, super work they do and uh, fair play to Paul for highlighting it. And uh, then we have a good, we had this morning, well done to Rose and Sarah. This hour of the morning, Rose, you were flying it, flying it. You were full of beans. Good on you. Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat. And it brings me there now uh, when we were chatting about that. I'm only, I only help out with uh, putting the stuff together. Now, Rose is all about the musicals. I wouldn't have seen many. I, I've seen some, but I wouldn't have seen the, like Rose has seen piles of musicals. And um, London and the West End has opened up again. The plays have opened up again. Now, the musicals uh, haven't as such as far as I know is because I think it's 50% capacity over there and the musicals can't uh, because it costs so much money to put on the musicals they need to have nearly 100% capacity to make it financially viable but plays can go on and they've started there and uh, one play that I haven't seen yet and uh, I can't wait to get over there again is The Mousetrap and uh, that's been running for 69 years. And it's, it, I think it was the first play to start it up in the West End again. And they're all saying, yeah, it should have. That's the one it is. And uh, what do they have? They have two casts. And they call one cast Marple and the other one Poirot. And it's just in case anybody or there's any sign of uh, COVID on one of the casts, that they'll swap them in. And uh, there that started again. And there's a couple of others. And there's a little... It, something that I chatted about some time before was Under Milkwood. Um, wonderful Dylan Thomas poem, story, or prose, whatever, like it's the, the language is just full of poetry. And that's opened up in London. And Martin Sheen, uh, the guy who played uh, Frost, the guy, he's a Welsh actor, he played 
uh, Frost, yeah, David Frost, and he played um, what's your man, the Prime Minister. He's excellent at playing these. He's he's a super actor, and he's uh, he's in this now. And the play started, and I got a great review. I was watching it. I was reading about it. Um, I'd love to get over to London, sneak in, but uh, to some of these plays, uh, I I, uh, I want to get back to that. And um, let me see the last thing. Yeah, watching the. I think Paul was talking about it, the Sophie Duplantier. Uh, there's two programs out. I don't usually watch these things, but these murder, real-life murder programs, and I haven't seen them, but it's, it's so strange that there's two um, shows out on Sophie Duplantier, one on Sky Crime. There's, this, there's a channel called Sky Crime. Maybe I flicked past it and don't even know it. And the other one, I think, is out on Netflix, and it's strange because uh, Jim Sheridan is doing the, he's the Irish director. Jim Sheridan has done, uh, is doing the one for Sky. And um, the difference is, as far as I can see, as far as I can, uh, I've heard, is Jim Sheridan's one is Sophie Duplantier's uh, family have kind of di- has distanced themselves from his, uh, his uh, series of things. Uh, his And also... The other one uh, kind of is is with the Sophia de, de Plantier family. Very strange. I remember that happening. Uh, it was years and years ago. And it's just so, I suppose I, I will have a look at it now in all fairness because it's years since I saw it and there was so much talk about it and so much gossip and rumour and stuff like that. You don't know what is real. Um, but what, what, what we know is real, that a family was left without a daughter. And uh, a woman was murdered and died that night and there's never been any justice for it. And uh, it shocked that whole community down there. Uh, he was a West Cork and um, they they have never got to the bottom of it now. And it's seemingly uh, that guy, the English journalist, I forget his name now in unfairness, it's gone from me for the, the moment. He was actually tried or put on trial in his absence over in France and found guilty but uh, he won't be extradited for that I think he still lives in, he's an English journalist what's his name again Um, oh no I don't know I don't know, I forget his name, Ian Bailey Ian Bailey, but I might have a look at that even though that's not really my thing right, we're going to take a little uh, we're going to talk we're going to talk with Brendan Fahey after this jingle the secret to your fertility is that it's not just your lifestyle that matters, but your relationship too. And that's what Denise Christie of Health and Harmony teaches you. There are no guarantees when it comes to fertility, but Denise will show you exactly what steps to take to get your mind, body and relationship on track to conceive. Denise is a fertility coach, acupuncturist and therapist and has helped many couples just like you take back their health, their fertility, their relationship and their lives. To find out more, visit healthandharmony.info and start your fertility journey today. 37 Degrees Fitness are back. A 14,000 square foot multi-purpose gym spread out over two levels where your safety is our priority, including luxury spacious showers, sauna and steam rooms. If you have a fitness goal, 37 Degrees Fitness have the expertise to help you achieve it. And with over 40 classes to choose from, you'll be well on your way at Galway's most luxurious gym. Come enjoy our state-of-the-art facility anytime that suits you. No booking required and our 
our location at Cottage Hill Loch Ray means you'll also enjoy ample free parking. Open 6.30am to 10pm weekdays, Saturdays 10am to 4pm and Sundays 10am to 2pm. See 37degrees.ie for great membership rates or call 091-842-457 to find out more. 37 Degrees Fitness. Restart your fitness journey today. And uh, that's the guy, anybody want to get back into the gym? I know, well, I'd love to get back into the gym. Well, I've never in the gym in the first place. But here we go. Let's talk to, let's, let's talk to Brendan. So I'm here with Brendan Fahey. Brendan Fahey just recently had a short story published in the Irish Independent. Brendan, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Good on you. Good on you. I'd have to say there was a little bit of nepotism in this now. Connor uh, threw a flag for you. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> that, that'd be like him, all right. Always Good on me. No. Good on you. Fair play. He's got your back. He's got your back. So anyway, we had we uh, we um, had a, we had a, I had a read of uh, the story. Um, what's the name of it again? Actually, it's called I read the, the strength. The strength. Strength. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, tell us about it. What, 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 okay, it's the story of a couple and uh, their pet dog, and yeah. uh, the pet dog is coming to the end of his uh, end of his days. Tell us why That's did right. that come? Why did that come to you? Why? What was the genesis behind it? <laughs> uh, I, I I'm not even sure anymore. To be honest, um, I worked on that story for quite a long time. Um, I was over a year working on it anyway, on and off. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, I guess I've always loved dogs. I, I think people's relationships with their dogs are an interesting subject. Uh, I, I heard I heard a story once about um, a hunter uh, who used to bring their dog out hunting, who um, chose to to put down their dog with a gun rather than have the dog put down by a vet. Uh, because they saw that as um, more favourable to the dog. Um, yeah. And I thought that was a really intriguing notion. And I was curious to get into the the, the the thought pattern that would lead you to there, because obviously that sounds like a very violent thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone thinks they're doing that out of love, that's quite interesting. And that actually answers, um, like, that's, a, that's the big question in it, because um, at the end, there's a rather abrupt end to this. And that's the question you'd ask yourself as to why they hadn't had uh, brought the vet in. It yes. was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Pretty su- it was pretty sudden. I mean, it was, it was coming, but it was sudden for a finish, uh, what happened, and actually um, was very quick. But... It showed, I mean, the, the love by the couple. The couple are childless. That, was, right. an added la- that was an added layer. Yes. Yeah. There, there's, there's at least two layers going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, funnily enough, in, in, in a lot of the earlier drafts of the story, they weren't childless. But uh, as I started kind of getting closer to what it was really about, um, I think that side of it became quite important. So, and, yeah. And the choice of that they never let um, the dog uh, 
become it's the dog it's sally sure it's a female That's right. dog. Yeah, yeah yeah it's a female dog never had the dog covered either and mm. that was a decision made mm. and um it was very well written and very moving brendan very moving oh, cheers thank uh, you very much well done Lovely reading on a sl- sa- lovely Saturday afternoon. You see, <laughs> with the <laughs> it's it's been very funny getting compliments from people saying they really enjoyed it, but also saying that it upset them. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's a little juxtaposition there, but uh, yeah, it's it's very funny to feel very proud of upsetting a lot of people at the same time. Um, <laughs> means yeah. I did something right. Good man. No, it's it's definitely definitely there, and it has a power and uh, there's a truth to it there in all fairness. Like it's just, it's not mawkish in any way whatsoever. Mm. And uh, it was very well written, but this is your second uh, story. You had one published before uh, the cuckoo. Can you give us a little brief, uh, can you give us a little brief synopsis of the cuckoo? (laughs) Uh, The cuckoo is about a fella out having uh, a walk in the country and looking at the fields and the cows and everything. And as he's doing it, he's kind of remembering uh, stuff from earlier in his life. He's, he's out visiting uh, his, his extended family and his rememberings kind of bring you through um, something awful that happened in his past that, uh, that he was a big part of. And you realize this person is actually a bit of a psychopath. Um, so, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And uh, I don't know, like I haven't read it now, but I'm trying to use the use the title. It might, might be some hints or some sort like that. Yeah, I, I guess the, the whole notion of the cuckoo pushing the the uh, the other eggs out of the nest um, and, and and putting their own in there that that was kind of uh, yeah the, the implication there with the family. And you worked. You're saying you you've been working one year on this one in the Independent, and the one you wrote for the Independent it took over a That's year right, to write yes. it. So, my God, I mean, did you sit down, you wrote it or you wrote some kind of a draft of it and then did you leave it alone and walk back to it or was was it an immediate rewrite or what was it, Brendan? No, I I definitely have to to give it some space. That's that's what I've I've realised. You know, a good good six weeks or so before you come back to something I think is is essential for me anyway because otherwise I look at it again, it's, it's all still in my head and I go, yep. Yep, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect okay. the way it is. Yeah. Um, you need to kind of let it drain out of your head a bit and then you read it again. You're kind of looking at it with fresh eyes and you go, ah, here, what's this? Need to fix that. That makes no sense. You know, <laughs> all that kind of thing. <laughs> and what, well, what's, what's the feeling like? I mean, if you go back and you go, that's, say if you're on maybe your second draft, or your third draft, and you go, yeah, I'm getting it there now. And you come back six weeks later and go, oh, like, I mean, is there a feeling you go, I have to change that? Is it a disappointment or is it a... <laughs> Kind of going, what was I thinking uh, of? Or absolutely, yeah, it's agonizing. It's it's oh, like, <laughs> like I thought this was good. Look at this. Oh my god. Um, that's that's kind of the usual feeling, yeah. And and it's it's uh, it can be quite uh, difficult um, figuring out where to bring it, like how to fix it, where to go from okay. there. Do you know? Because because for me anyway, when I write the first draft, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, this is brilliant. I just pour all these words out here. I'm on fire. I know exactly what I'm doing. And then you come back to it and you go, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then for the second draft, you have to take a lot more care, I suppose, because, um, yeah, you're, you're really having to make some very intentional decisions at that point. Okay. Now tell me, um, 
Would you trust uh, giving it over at some draft point to somebody to have a read of it and get something back, some criticism or advice or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I have a, a few different people um, that I, I share stuff with. Um, I'm always kind of on the hunt for the right people. Um, but because, uh, you know, some people will kind of say that's great. And, and, and you get nothing else and, and like as nice as that is to hear it's also sort of useless you know it, it doesn't help you make it any better um, so that's tricky um, yeah there's a, a good friend of mine a guy named Matt Burke um, he's a lighting designer um, so he he, he uh, last year finished geez, or was it the year before timeline all messed up now with the, with the pandemic and everything. Yeah. anyway yeah, yeah. He, he, he studied in the, the Lear Theatre um, here in Dublin and um yeah, as it turns out, he makes an excellent reader um, of stuff, gave me some fantastic feedback. Um, I also, I, I worked a bit with um, an editor. I, I, I paid an editor to have a look at it um, and, and give me some um, some feedback. And uh, and that was phenomenal. That was um, like, he, he really knew what he was talking about. Um, and it only cost me a few euro. Do you know, it was, it's like surprisingly cheap. Um, and to yeah, me, to, I mean, did you, like, obviously you didn't, but I mean, are you talking about just getting the golden pages and uh, looking under editors or how did you get his or her name? Um, I, I uh, over the past few years, I, I've paid a lot of attention to the various, um, like, literary magazines and journals uh, in Ireland. There's a bunch of them in Ireland. And um so I'd, I'd read a story by this guy, John Patrick McHugh is his name, um, uh, in, in one of those, a story called How Your Horse, that uh, I thought was fantastic. And then uh, the old writing community, they, they seem to be big on Twitter. Um, so I, I, I maintain a certain lurking presence on, on Twitter, just kind of watching everyone. And uh, yeah, I just saw one day he was advertising, saying, I'm... I'm I have some availability for some freelance editing work, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I just put those two together. I, I really liked that guy's story. He yeah. says he could do some editing. I'll give him a shout, see what the crack is. Uh, and, you know, I, I was, I was kind of very upfront. It was like, here, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not your published author working on their fourth book. I'm, I'm kind of just plugging away here at home, but I, I'd, I'd love to get your, your input on this, um, if you'd be interested in that. And he was, yeah. and he was great. Uh, very encouraging, loads of really helpful, constructive feedback. Um, yeah, so that helped a lot. Wonderful. And tell me, did you ever do any creative writing classes or anything like yeah, that? I, um, I've done a few courses with the Irish Writer Centre, um, which is uh, in Dublin on, on Pernell Square. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot less relevant now, I suppose, with um, all the classes being online. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I think a few years ago, when I kind of really started writing seriously, I suppose, um, I, I signed up for for a course there. It was like a, a six week start, fiction starter kit, I think is what they call it, um, with a, a writer named Kevin Curran, um, and that was like two hours um, once a week for six weeks, and uh, and that was great. Um, you know, kind of went through your various. Uh, you know, elements, uh, mm-hmm. things like st- style, characters, plot, setting, 
scenes, this kind of thing. But, but there was also the opportunity for people in the class to submit something they had written and for him to, to go through it. And then the following week, he'd kind of uh, go through it in front of the class. Um, and I was, I was sort of first off the mark saying, yeah, I've got something, but you have a look at this. Good and, idea. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a, a brave move. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and then in the, in the next class, he spent a good 30 or 40 minutes kind of tearing it to shreds. <laughs> that was a different story now. But uh, no, no, I, I, I'm being too harsh there. Not tearing it to shreds, but pointing out a yeah. lot of the things that were wrong with it. And, and there were quite a few, do you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't take that as criticism. That's, you know, it was, it was helpful stuff. And it, yeah. it allowed me to completely revisit it, and, and everything he says, you're kind of going, oh "My God, that that yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. I see exactly what you mean." Yeah, um, I was just scribbling the whole time, trying to capture everything he was saying. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so highly recommend those kinds of courses. Yeah, fantastic. Come here. Did you do any? Uh, where did you go to school? Uh, well, in Lockray. Um, so I went to Rayfields. Well, uh, St. Brendan's first, and, and then Rayfields, and then I went to college and, in NUIG. And what um, did you, you're a software engineer. Yeah, so I, I did uh, I did arts, first of all. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, you're, you're kind of in your leaving search year, and you don't really know what to, to go study, and everyone says, just just study what you're interested in. So, so I ended up studying English literature and IT as an arts subject, because I was interested in both computers and reading and writing mm-hmm. um, of course as soon as you get into an arts degree then everyone says what are you doing you're, you're not you're not actually supposed to just study the thing you're interested in you're supposed to study something that'll find you a job <laughs> you know? job yeah yeah um, and then of course i finished that degree in 2008 when um you know the world kind of ended a little bit and everyone said what were you doing doing an arts degree recession <laughs> um so i kind of ran right back in and did a, a postgrad um it's like a partially funded postgrad in in software engineering um, and yeah, I've worked as a software engineer ever since. Oh, fantastic. Tell me, um, right, you read a lot at the moment. Would you have any favorite or favorite writers at the moment or over um, the years? I've been reading a lot of Irish stuff the, the last few years. Um, not, not Irish language, but by Irish writers. Mm-hmm. You know? um, God, let's see. At the moment, I'm halfway through The Art of the Glimpse. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a it's an anthology. It's a hundred short stories by Irish writers. Um, massive book, but uh, yeah, fantastic. That's edited by Sinead Gleeson. Um, what yeah. else have I been reading recently? Funnily enough, that, that guy, John Patrick McHugh, he's a book called Pure Gold. Uh, I read that not so long ago. It just came out a couple of months back. That's fantastic. Uh, Citizens by Kevin Curran, also pretty epic. Um, yeah, I, I, I used to... I used to read a lot more, um, I guess, from further abroad. Yeah. Um, like a bit of Margaret Atwood. Um, been catching up on some Anne Enright stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Edna O'Brien. I read all the Country Girls stuff there. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, she went to school in Lockery. Uh, he the, did. She was a boarder yeah. up in Rayfields yeah. years ago, yeah. So I believe the, the convent in the first Country Girls book is <laughs> basically yeah. Rayfields, right? Yeah. Could you imagine? Um, yeah. Which is a bit mad. But um, no, that's wonderful. Uh, just the um, 
Are, am I reaching too too much, or do we think that the, as as I as a little the little Ireland of Ireland, do we kind of punch above our weight with writing and stuff like that? You named off very very great quality writers there. Um, I I, I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. in a way, I I don't pay enough attention to the 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 specifics of any other countries to to really say, but like we definitely have a fairly significant presence. Uh, yeah. I think in the, in the, the worldwide uh, literary community, yeah, um, and uh, I suppose as well a lot of the stuff by Irish writers, you you, you feel a connection to it. Do you know, it, it's yeah. it's about stuff that you know and you understand. So, I think for me anyway, it it can often feel much more uh, relatable, I suppose, than yeah. than your American stuff or, or, or wherever, you know, but at the same time, then it can be pretty incredible reading something from another part of the world and, and oh, getting that glimpse yeah. into some other life, you know? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here, Brendan. Thanks very much. Do you want to give a shout out to anybody in Loch Ray? Oh, your old hood? All, all, all my family and friends, you know, DJ Connor over on the, the Brecky Brack, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cheers to my mom also for for giving me some good feedback on that story. Uh, yeah, who else in Lockery? Ah, they know who they are. They're all. Coming. They know who they are. Yeah. Your mom would have been. Would she have been involved in baffle and writing as well? Yeah, she? yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Lucy. She was yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. she was yeah heavily involved in, in baffle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No bother. Brendan, come here. And what's on the horizon? Uh, you're uh, in the. In the uh, you've got you may have a novel on the go, but it'll yeah. It, look, it took you it took you a year to write a short <laughs> story. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the funny thing. A two thousand word short story. I spent over a year working at it, but uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 working at something uh, like novel length at the moment now. So it's not my it's not my first attempt. I've I've I finished a few drafts of some, but I've. I've I've uh, I've usually not gotten past that that second look where I go, ah, oh, what was I thinking? Um, so on this this one, I'm coming at it a lot more intentionally, a lot more care and planning went into it. So I think this might be Fantastic. the one. Um, well, Brendan, yeah. come here. Look, at that's great. We keep an eye out for it, uh, um, and uh, the best to look with it. Uh, I really Cheers. liked your story; it was excellent. Oh, really thank moving, you very much. Fair, it's very well written. Oh, and, thanks for uh, having me on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, pleasure to have you on. Ta- Brendan, take it easy. Cheers. See you. I'd like to thank uh, Brendan there for uh, taking time out to tell us all about that. Anyway, we've, we're, we're rocking on. We've got James Cockland coming up now with uh, Leonard, Leonard McGrath, The Forgotten Gale, and that'll run us out nearly to the end. So have a listen to this. I'm joined here with James Cochlin. James has just uh, published a book. Well, he just it's not just has published a book. He published it actually last uh, last year. James, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Was it last year you published it? Uh, well, it was earlier this year. I say, earlier Feb- February, this year. March, yeah. Okay, okay. And uh, the book is uh, Leonard McGrath, A Forgotten Gale. That's right. And uh, just qu- just quickly, we'll get we'll get into this story, an incredible story. Uh, Leonard McGrath, his claim to fame, or one of them, was... Um, of course, the, 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 he was the only Galway man to win in All-Ireland in football and hurling. He won his hurling medal in 1923, and he won his football medal in 1925. And for a Gal- like that, like for a Galway man, we haven't won many All Irelands in hurling and uh, a few more in football. But for him to actually win two of them was incredible. 
and he was a central part of those teams. He was. He, he played right half forward in the hurling, and he played full uh, full back in the football. Despite the fact that he was five foot eight, but he had an incredible ability to jump, and he was also like a, a brilliant sprinter. Okay. Yeah. So, but he had a lot of strings to his bow in terms of uh, sporting prowess as well. And we're going to talk about that. Mm. Tell us the story. This man uh, has an incredible story. <coughs> he was born in Australia. Was he born in Australia? He, he was. He, he was. He was born in Charters Towers, Australia. Now, he, his mother, at 21 years of age, left uh, Clannoon near Woodford, County Galway. And she went out and she met a man called James McGrath, who was from Benbridge, uh, Lisnagad, a place called Lisnagad near Benbridge in County Down. And they got married, and he was seen as he was a salesman, and he moved around to different parts of, of um, Queensland. But they finished up in Charters Towers. Now, she seems to have been working in the Waverley Hotel, and Charters Towers like was a, you know, was, was in a growth area at the time because of the mining and the gold. So there was a gold rush. There was there, a gold rush there, yeah. And Blue the population Hope. plummeted up to, I think, about 24,000 in 24, a short, short, yeah. short time. So, to make a long story short, they had a falling out, and she returned. She returned with Julia returned with her three children, and one was Leonard, and the other older brother was James Porter McGrath, and then there was Bridget, and she was nicknamed Sissy. So they returned to to Woodford, and the story from the Porter family was that uh, they lived up in um, Clannoon. Now, in the nineteen eleven census, at least. Uh, I found out that they lived in Portumna, in Seven Fairgreen, Portumna. Yes, just beside the beside the church, just at the back of the church. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's where they 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 lived, and uh, she must have been employed in Portumna. Now he was also uh, educated, like in uh, by a master Canning, and in Woodford or in um, Clannoon at the time. So he he had a lot of his early education there. You know that. But certainly he also lived in Portumna for quite a time. Now, his sporting prowess was, uh, he flew a flag very early. He did. And I just came across this by accident. Uh, The sports apparently at that time were extremely valued. And the medals and the prizes were were excellent. But he won a gold watch in a a 2.20 Imperial Yards race. Now, he didn't go into the under-16. Sorry, he didn't go into the under-10s. He went into the under-16 and he won it. And he was 10 years of age. He was 10 years of age at the time. So, obviously, like, he he was... Well, he was very well built, but he was 5 foot 8. And um, he had a very high complement of fast-twitch fibres. Because later on in his sporting career, like, one of his hallmarks was that he was very fast on the field. You know? Okay. But he, he, he put down a flag very early that he was certainly an athlete with an intent. That's incredible now, ten, 10 years of age to win an under 16. And there was a huge emphasis and uh, renown about this. Uh, for, for that to win, like to win that, a lo- that, this is a local meet, and he won a gold watch he from winning go- it? Gold watch, yeah. That's uh, in, incredible. In that race, yeah. Now tell me, he moved on from there. Like, no, his family emigrated. His family then, yes, in 1911, James Porter McGrath, the older of the boys, when he was 16, 17, he immigrated from Portumna uh, to America 
to New York. And uh, then later than his mother and Sissy, they left in 1916 and they went to New York. So his entire family had become exiles in the space of a few years and Leonard was left. But Leonard had an uncle, Father Tom Porter. Now, Father Tom Porter, he was president of the Pines at the time. Uh, but he's also serving a local parish near Banlasloe. So he was responsible, like, for Leonard's education. But he saw in Leonard his potential as an athlete, mm-hmm. but also as a scholar. Yeah. So it, it was not the Pines then that he further developed sports and also the contact with Banlasloe with the football. So he... Um, and the Pines was the precursor. It's the it's the building. Oh, it's a, it was a school precursor to Garbley over in Banlasloe. That is correct, yeah. Yeah. Precursor to Garibaldi College. So, after four years then, he went into the training college in St. Pat's. Mm -hmm. And he came out then in um, 1918, uh, qualified. And his first appointment was in the boys' school in Loch Ray. What year are we talking about then? We're talking about um, 1918. 1918? 1918, yeah. It was two years that time to complete the studies. Okay. And... he was there then apparently for four years until about nineteen twenty four and nineteen twenty five he taught in Capitagal right. for one year. But while he was in Loch Ray, I mean he played rugby for the local rugby team. Uh at that time the club operated out of uh, Jimmy O'Dee's hotel. Yeah. And uh, later on then he did courses in UCG at the time and of course he played rugby for UCG. And he also won a Connacht senior medal playing with UCG and they defeated um, Sligo in the final Connacht final so he had a lot of strings to his bow he was a renowned cricket player he was a scratch golfer (laughs) he was a footballer he was a hurler and that's just his sporting prowess but with Leonard McGrath you know the story doesn't end there yeah because this man seems to have been able to reinvent himself everywhere he went with different skills. So, in Lockery, he also played billiards and nobody could defeat him, yeah. even at that game. So, in an era where there was no techniques and sport wasn't technical, yeah. this man seemed to be able to solve the issues of, um, you know, striking a ball, whether it was golf or whether it was hurling. Well, tell us, uh, when he did the, when he played in the All-Ireland hurling, He's, what was the score? What did he score? You were telling well, me earlier on. In the semi-final against Kilkenny, he's, there was a, the f- five goals and four points scored in the entire match. But Leonard scored four goals and a point. Now, he was injured in the second half and had to be uh, taken off. And I think a man called uh, Mike King came, came on uh, in place of him. But, I mean, had he sustained for the full match... Mm-hmm. You know, the, it might have been greater. No, oh, he earned, but he earned the 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 the. Uh, he was the name like Galway's talisman, yeah. because he was so fast and he could just basically put the ball over the bar from any angle. No, so so he was a man ahead of his time. Yeah, basically in terms of of, of sport. I, would you tell us? Uh, you told me earlier on the the camp the hurlers went into before. The yeah. Hurl. Yes, this was very interesting. Uh, they went to Rockfield, which is is um, uh, 
basically a very big house between um, between Athenry and Crawford. Crawford, yeah. And apparently what happened, the regime for the day was, and they spent 13 weeks there prior to the All-Ireland in 1923. So what happened in the morning was that the um, county chairman, uh, Tom Kenny, arrived in his pony and trap and sounded a bugle at six o'clock. <laughs> and all of the players then had to take a cold bath. And then they had a rest and they had breakfast. And the breakfast consisted of a lot of brown bread. And they also had health salts added to the, the bats, you know. So then they had uh, a break for a while. And then they went off for a long run. And they came back then and they had lunch or whatever. And then they spent two hours after lunch basically hurling. Practicing the skills. Mm-hmm. Taking freeze from every other angle. Yeah. And then they had dinner. So later on then, uh, after dinner, they went to the railway tracks, sleepers, and uh, the manager at the time, uh, he did a conditioning session with them for two hours. And then there was also a ball alley there that they had access to, and they used that then in the evenings. Unbelievable. So, uh, it, 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 I suppose, again, at a time when things were in technical, this was almost resembled the... The, uh, oh, the life of oh absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely so we've gone he's he's, he's taught in Lockray moved to Capitagal he's won all Ireland's both hurling and football uh, he was beating everybody at billards mm. cricket was very big Stephen Dolan told me about that in the That's area right. it's a forgotten sport really around the area but was very big athletics he now moves from Capitagal for teaching wise he gets a principalship in where in Renard. And, and again, him. as you say, he reinvents himself again. He, he does, no. Um, interestingly enough, now that um, he also married that year before he went to... In Cap- when he was in Capitagal. When he was in Capitagal, yeah, yeah. He married uh, Josephine Madden, the sister of Aggie Madden, and the, the famous uh, the Madden's famous Pope. pope Aggie Madden's pope, pope, yeah. So we can come back to the, the Madden story like later Absolutely, on. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But um, he went to Granard and he became a principal. And he wrote a beautiful... Um, history of the school uh, school Rurigan Small and uh, his claim to fame was that the amount of students who got grants because of his tuition and the, the other thing that was very interesting was that in 1937 you know the um, National Commission uh, they asked the, the children to, um, to to take in maybe you know any folklore or ask their parents grandparents about folklore but he had 55 entries from the children, which was way above the norm Okay. for most national schools. So everything he did was very professional and... Uh, but he could inspire. Th- that's right. Yeah. And like, I mean, you're talking about things like thatching, osier work, chandlery, um, um, marriage, um, customs, you know, a lot of different diverse topics as well. So, I mean, like, he, he was ahead of his time, even in education. You know, he brought to the classroom. Oh, yeah. You know, the, uh, children like, you know, that they could reinvent themselves also, just like he did during his life. But, of course, Leonard wasn't a story. He doesn't end there either. Yeah. When he went to Granard, he took up acting. Mm. And uh, he was only acting about two years when he uh, won a silver gold medal at the Cavan Festival. Now, he was in one play called um, Birthright. 
and it follows the story of Jacob and Esau. And then another one was um, Louis Dalton's play, The Money Doesn't Matter. And Leonard also got um, a medal for that. But again, the acting, the story doesn't end there. <laughs> he was blessed with the baritone voice and he was trained by Dr. Vincent O'Brien. And Dr. Vincent O'Brien was also the first uh, musical director of Radio Erin. Now, he's the same gentleman who, who uh, trained Count John McCormack and Margaret Burke Sheridan, both of them. So Leonard got a programme then in Radio Erin in the 40s, from the 1940 to 1948. And it was an hour and a half where he sang Irish songs and Anglo-Irish songs um, for, for the hour. And the other thing about his repertoire of songs was that he, he brought in some songs from Hungarian composers. Okay. Now, the Merry Widow musical, which that Hungarian uh, uh, composer composed the music for that particular musical, but he was singing songs by that particular composer, so he was bringing in... So he was a Renaissance man in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, bringing in uh, new material and letting it out really to the public, like in his own personal programme. And then in 1948, he and his wife um, left for New York, and he spent six weeks, and he stayed with um, his sister, Sissy, out in New York, and he made uh, records, you know, for the recording out there. there, Oh, is that the primary reason why he would have gone to New York? Obviously to meet his family again. It it was... um, it was, but also, as I suppose, the, 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 the singing. Yes. So that was in 1948. Now, when he came back then, uh, I suppose tragedy struck yes. again, you know. But the story goes that um, he complained in December to his wife that he was in um, an overwhelming need for air. And uh, she said, can't you get up and open the window? Now it was the middle of December and... You know, quite cold. So he opened the window, but he was dead in the morning, and it seems that he died of from thrombosis. But he had packed an amazing life, you know, in that length of time. What age was he when he died? He was fifty. He was fifty. fifty yeah, and uh, his funeral was here in Lacrae, of course, and he's buried at the Abbey in Lacrae. And uh, it said at the time that it was the. He was one of the first celebrity funerals, you know, in terms of okay, the yes. amount of people at it, you know, yes. because he would have been still very fresh in the memory of the people playing for Galway, playing for Banislow, playing for Lockray, you know, his contact in Lockray particularly, because he was basically, uh, you know, a son of Lockray because he he, mm-hmm. he spent so much time in Lockray, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the Madden's pub as well. And... Um, I think I was going to go back to the, the okay. Madden story. You're coming back. So he, he's he's, bur- he's buried in the Abbey. Yes. And his wife comes back to Loch Ray. She live does, with, yeah. She lived with his, uh, her sister. Yes. Aggie in the pub. A- Aggie in the pub. And she lived out there, but um, she never really got over Leonard's uh, death because... Um, and they had no children. They had no children. Mm-hmm. And she always referred to Leonard as my Lenny. Okay. M- my Lenny. And his medals... I mean, most pictures of his medals, it's in the form of a brooch, mm-hmm. which he always wore on her wrist. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was another, um, you know, I suppose she was a very glamorous lady, apparently, as well, you know, 
probably she liked fashion at the time. Yes, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. And the medals, I think, gave her a very distinctive edge over other people. But the medals were proudly displayed. Leonard's medals were proudly displayed by Josephine, his wife. And um, did she... Did she um how long did she live after he died? She she died, I think, and she died in nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Yeah, yeah. Thirty years yeah. afterwards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She she lived quite a for quite a so little he was time. Only fifty, I suppose. He, he was, was only fifty. Fifty. Yeah. Died, yeah. But I mean, uh, I suppose you know the amount of sports that he took part in. You know, would you be talking about burnout? I don't know. You know. Yeah. Um, certainly, like the golf. Oh, he's a scratch golfer. He was a scratch well, golfer, yeah. That, yeah. And he was a member of Lockray Golf Club as oh, well. And he always came back to play in the captain's prize. And believe it or not, and this is amazing, but he was due to play in the captain's prize in Lockray. He died on the Friday, and he was due to play on Sunday in Lockray. My God! So he didn't make it, and he was still winning competitions even though he was playing off scratch. Yeah. No, which you know is a testament to the skills that the men had. You know that that he could work out this himself, hmm. and what I was trying to establish in the book was, like, was he for real? And yes, he was. He was a genius, and he was way before his time. Now, where did you hear about him in the first place? Like, it's, it's an incredible story, James. Mm-hmm. But where did you hear about him, or why, what made you uh, well delve into this? In uh, I was at a funeral in Kilkenny, and I met a, a cousin. And you know yourself, you only meet yes, you know, your yeah, family circle, funerals. either at a wedding or at a funeral. Yeah. And um, the practice was that down that area of the country that you, you walked the cortege out mm-hmm. to the cemetery. And it was about, I suppose, a mile and a half. So he started telling me about Leonard. And where is where is he from? He's from, uh, well, he's from Woodford, originally. Okay, okay. So yeah. he lives in Tullamore. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> he had known about him. And he also had a his wife and uh, his her uncle uh, Ned Hughes played football with Leonard for Banlaslow, and he had to play under a pin name because that time there were priests weren't allowed to play in the county team that to play under. I heard pin that. Name. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gave me a lovely picture actually of uh, Father Ned jumping up for a ball against Kildare with Leonard. Brilliant. So that's a, a once-off picture in the book as well. So you know, and of the, course, I mean, the band would have been in as well. So him playing with UCG should have banned yes. him from hurling. But of course, that was going on as well. You yeah, can, uh, he, he was banned for for nine months, and oh he was wow. just he was just reinstated to play for the county team uh, in the football. So he was lucky in the sense that he was okay back after nine months. Now, he he argued to the county board that he played it in a fit of temper. But it seems from the research that a lot of the players were also playing cricket and playing... Of course they were. You know, the, 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 it was a rule, but I don't know if they obeyed it. No, you hear of so much, many people. You know. It's only when it comes up. That's right. It's nearly... Uh, yeah, yeah. God bless it. But uh, he, he was an incredible individual. And, uh, you know, to, just to take his music, for example, he played the violin, yeah. he played the cornet, he played the piano. Now, I was wondering, like, how did he get time for this? Yes, you know, yes. Given that he was always gone playing hurling, football, rugby. But he also got time to become proficient in various different instruments. 
That's unbelievable. And, and then, of course, the interest in the music was there because he sought out uh, Dr. Vincent O'Brien. And know. he obviously had talent, or else her man wouldn't have been wasting his time with no. him. Absolute, for, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Like enough of people there. Yeah. And he was a baritone uh, tenor. And Count John McCormick was a lyric tenor. Okay. So he was a contemporary of John McCormick as well. That's incredible. And really and truly, if his story had not been told, you know, I think it would have been a travesty, you know, to the... That's the, incredible. To, now, when you went researching this, because I'm looking at your book there now, um, you got it printed with with Kelly's... In uh, Kelly's. Uh, Brendan was a schoolmate of mine in Garbley, who was in the same class. And, okay. And I must say that Brendan was absolutely brilliant and Kelly's printers, I mean, they couldn't do enough. They were so wonderful. professional yeah. and so beautifully done. And I mean, it does justice to Leonard as well. Which oh, I, I've had a quick look at it. It's uh, some wonderful photos and there's a photo there of Ignis C. Harney. That's right. That'd be, not Ignis below and Ignis at the moment. Ignis's father. Ignis's father, and, yes. Uh, he played alongside him in the in that call with the nineteen twenty three final, yeah. I wonder yeah. does he have I think he's a couple of uh, photos down there of hurling teams. He might have that one. And but you built on the shoulders of a lady uh, who had researched this uh, subject in the nineties, was it? Yes. Now Marion Lyons is a, also first cousin. And Marion would be related, she'd be actually a third cousin to Leonard herself. Mm-hmm. She'd be related to the Lyonses and the Porters. Yeah. And um uh, now, Michal Hickey had told me that, well, Marion has something done and I should talk to her. So I met Marion and, of course, yeah, she told me that she had written to uh, Antara Padre Lee at right. the time. Now, Antara Padre Lee, he wrote the Annals of the GA, two volumes. And she wrote to Antara Padre Lee in, in the 90s and uh, he wrote back and said, We know nothing about him. Can you write what you know? He is deserving of a book. That's amazing, isn't mm. it? That's amazing. So, um, and uh, very worthwhile, a, a worthy, a worthy cause, and um, yes. it really is an um, incredible piece of work. Where can you? Where can we? Where can somebody buy one of these? Of course, we haven't had our chance to have a big um, opening or publication or something like this. It just has to quietly come in. But hopefully, now where can you get these? Well, <coughs> I have a website myself, Leonard McGrath Book. Dot wordpress.com The book is also available in um, in Protumna and it's also available in Woodford at the post office. So I'm hoping now to get it uh, avail- available in Lockray as well oh, in yeah. one of the shops. Absolutely, yeah. So maybe I might be able to do that maybe right after this now I'll talk to some of the uh, shops in Lockray that will they, will they store it and, and, and sell it. Yeah. No, so it's Leonard McGrath book dot wordpress dot com. Oh, we share that. That's a, a, yeah, web, we a website, that, you know. That, yeah, that, that, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think th- there was one point there about the the Porter family. Okay. That uh, just missed. Now the Porter family would have been Leonard McGrath's maternal parents, but going back the line, that the first Porter family, uh, first person to come in, the Porter family was. Uh, from the Battle of Ockram, 1691. Now, he was an Anglican churchman, okay. and they moved into Dowris. As time went on, they moved further into East Galway. 
And the porters were also amazing individuals. One of them, Porter, member of the Porter family, he built a mill at Ballyshrule for grinding corn. And also a cousin of his built the Porter steam engine in England. So the, the Porters were, you know, entrepreneurial, yes. amazing entrepreneurial skills. And they brought to the world and to life, you know, amazing um, techniques and yes. amazing feats of genius. So it's not surprising, really, that Leonard was not without well, he genius. In, you know. a, in a line of people who, that, bro- that's who right. broke the mould and a number of yes. Uh, yes. fronts. James, that's absolutely wonderful. Uh, I could stay here all day now chatting to you, but unfortunately we'd, uh, we'd uh, close it up. James, thanks for coming in this morning and uh, the very best of luck with that book. Very welcome, Daniel. Thank you for having me. And for anybody who wants to listen to uh, or get those books, we'll be sharing that information on social media. Absolutely superb uh, story and well done to James on uh, his publication of that book on Leonard McGrath. Okay, it's time for a finish. We're going to finish it up now. And Denise is in with Roberta, Roberta Brannigan. Roberta Brannigan in, uh, coming up next. Thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the day. And uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.